But uh, hi, everybody. Great to be here. Uh, I'm Tim, if you don't know me, and I've been here for 100 years. And it's hot. I was going to say, I was gonna say <laughs> put your hand up if you're hot. Actually, I thought it was a really bad idea. Don't put your hand up if you're hot. That would not work. Um, I, yeah, you, well done, the faithful remnant here. You're, Croatia, Denmark obviously didn't hold enough appeal for you then this evening. Or maybe it did, and you're, you've got a, just a right sense of priority, which is brilliant. Um, Okay, we'll see where we go. It is hot, uh, but I've got a very simple, I think, message, but, but just nothing could be more important in one way. I want to start like this. Uh, God's after our attention, and so just think about how, you, how your attention gets grabbed. So to keep you alive and awake, if you dare turn to a neighbor, and if you don't, just do it to yourself. Think about the last time your attention was really grabbed, or an experience in your life that's really got your attention. Go, you've got about 10 seconds to think about that. Share your most wacky, that really got my attention right there. Just gonna point that, that, I don't want it. Okay, there you go. I don't know what those were, but um, some of you look confused by that question. It's obviously very hot in here. Uh, others were just trying to rifle through many, many, many incredible experiences that have grabbed your attention. Because life is, by definition, made up of experiences, and some of them absolutely grab us. As I was thinking top of mind of this, as I asked myself that at my own question, my first thought actually went to earlier this week when I was lying back in the dentist chair, slightly feeling helpless, a bit out of control, and uh, she turned to the nurse and said, could you go and get the other pliers, please? <laughs> I thought, haven't you got code language for that, at least? That would, that would help me out. That grabbed my attention uh, in, a, in a difficult way. Um, well, the moment I was on safari, I got caught up in, a in, in two cheetahs chasing down um, an antelope. That was pretty spectacular. The moment on holiday, 10 days ago, first day of holiday, first day of holiday seemed to grab our attention in different ways. We were in a villa in France, and we were struck by lightning in a massive storm. And the only thing that blew up out of a, a row of uh, plugs connected to various things, and all of them were fine, apart from the one which was connected to the Wi-Fi, which completely exploded as the house was hit by lightning. Quite frightening. It grabbed our attention. I was absolutely thrilled that the Wi-Fi was knocked out for a week. Not sure the children were quite so much. But stuff grabs our attention, and, and there are all kinds of wow moments in life. And um, that's great or not great. Depend oh, yes, I wrote this one down. The, the day that I was chased by an Alsatian police dog that mistook me for an armed robber. That grabbed my attention. <laughs> for a while. Yeah, mercifully, he was called off before he did some damage. Um, wow, wow moments are often just that. They're, they're wow for a moment, and they're amazing. Uh, they may be things that we then look back on. They may leave uh, some kind of legacy, but often that's, that's what they are. What we're looking at today is a very strange wow moment in Mark's Gospel. You know we're doing this series in Mark's Gospel, the way that Mark writes about the life of Jesus, and he describes an experience which is a wow moment. That certainly grabs attention, but the difference here is this. God is wanting to grab attention, but not just in a wow moment for that moment and then to go, oh, that was interesting, and to move on. He wants to grab our attention. He certainly grabbed the attention of the people who were present at this rather strange moment that we're going to look at in a moment, but for the reason of then saying, and now I've got your attention, you now need to pay attention. You now need to continue to pay attention because this describes something that if you miss out on it, will be the biggest gift and the biggest waste that you've ever missed in your whole life. 
There is something so special on offer here. If you continue to pay attention, I need to grab your attention first. And I believe he's saying through the pages of Scripture exactly the same for us, you know. There are ways in which God gets our attention. But actually, one of the, one of the things, don't you think, is keeping our attention and what we give our attention to. I could equally well have asked you, and, and perhaps through the course of this little 45-minute message, you'll uh, be pondering on it. Um, what do I give my attention to? If I were to say to you, what do you pay attention to on a daily basis? So not the wow moments particularly, but just the things that you give your attention to on a daily basis. What would those look like? Because I think God wants to speak into that. Here it is. It's in Mark chapter 9. You might want to turn to it. Some words will be on the screen. It's known uh, as the transfiguration of Jesus, um, a way in which Jesus was transformed in the way that he looked in this moment. And I'm just going to ask three simple questions. Uh, I've done this once or twice before from here. I, I commend this way of asking questions of the Bible, by the way. I think Hills is speaking even about this to some of the women this week. If you come at it and you say, what, so what, now what? It's a great framework for those of you who are struggling to hear the voice of God in the scriptures. Uh, in your times with God, you don't know what to, to do. Just how about opening up the Bible and going, what, so what now? What does it say? What does these words say in front of me? What is this ancient text that I'm reading? Let me get my head around that. So what? What does it mean? What, what's, that God, what's God trying to say through that? How do I understand what's going on here? And then there always needs to be a now what, doesn't there? Otherwise, it's just information and it doesn't go anywhere. If we're after being changed as the Holy Spirit revolutionizes his, his, our lives by his uh, and uh, makes us that bit more like Jesus, then we need to be those who are saying, now what? We need to react. So I'm just going to say, what? Now what? So what? So the what is Mark 9, 2 to 13. Uh, and this is the record that Mark gives. Matthew and Luke also have a version. Thanks, Hudson. So after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him, led them up a high mountain, and they're all alone. And there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. I love that. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses as well, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say because they were so frightened. But then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except for Jesus. And as they're coming back down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they'd seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come. And they've done to him everything that they wish, just as it's written about him. I don't know if you're familiar with that story or not. It's not one that often gets kind of spoken about too much or, or read too much about. And whether it is or it isn't, I think, if we're honest, we kind of go, okay, that's a bit odd. Uh, I'm sure if you were there, it must have been very, very extraordinary. I'm not quite sure what word to bring to that. Very amazing. It would certainly grab your attention if you begin to think through this. If it has the, the, the edge of familiarity to it, and 2,000 years have passed, and you've not seen something like that, I guess we might miss something of the extraordinariness, the uniqueness of what's going on here. But just think for a minute, if you haven't already, what they saw there. They went up a mountain, and they saw this 
kind of vision that they have never seen before, this person that they've known for a period of time being transfigured, being changed, and dazzling in whiter than anything could be white, and then these other two characters from their ancient history, as it were, coming to life before them, and this discussion take, it's, it's pretty wild, it's pretty out there, isn't it? Some, of course, will be very skeptical, was it just a figment of their imagination and so on? Well, I'm going to park that particular question. I'm going to park quite a lot tonight. I'm not going to focus on uh, too much of the detail here. You, you can head to uh, books and, and clever people who understand some of this. But I want to ask this question, because I think the overarching question of this story is not quite so much what grabs our attention, because that could be lots of different things, but what keeps our attention and what we're paying attention to. The Bible says where our heart is, there is our treasure also. In other words, some of the things that we think about and some of the things that we spend our time on and some of the stuff that we spend our money on and things that we spend our energy on, they tell us a lot about what we value. They tell us a lot about what we pay attention to. They tell us a lot about what our priorities are, therefore, in life, don't they? I remember leaving uh, university and, and the pastor of the church that I was at, Gary, collected us together as we went off into the, the real world of work and everything. And he said, I remember he might have said lots of sensible things. The image I remember him saying was, where is your needle when it's at rest? In other words, if you think about uh, one of those gizmos that, that you know, a needle does this kind of thing and it's, it hovers in different places and you're active and you're doing your work and you're you know, preparing a meal and you're doing shopping, you know, you're busy. But when the needle is at rest and nothing much is happening, he said, what do you pay attention to? What's your attention on there? When you're daydreaming, am I the only one who daydreams? Yeah, this is just me and Caroline, that's right. Where does your mind go? It'll tell you something. I'm not trying, there's no conviction here. It'll tell you something about what you really value, what, what your sort of priority is. So here is a record, this record of a unique, captivating event. It's witnessed by three of Jesus' closest friends. And the question for us is not so much the big wow, grab retention moments, but um, what do we pay attention to on an ongoing basis? Why do I say that? Well, let's have a look. Clearly, the story is packed with lots of different elements. But I'm standing back and, and, and saying that God is, is trying to say this, most of all, you need to grasp more and more. This is the Father God saying, you need to grasp more and more and more just who this person, Jesus, is. And in grasping more and more and more, really, who this person, Jesus, is, you then need to pay attention to him. Jesus is my son. Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus is God's son. Listen to him. That's the heart of what's going on right now. Now you tell me if there isn't a more important thing for us to, to be a witness to than that voice of God. Here's Jesus. Here's who he is. And because of who he is, you really need to pay attention. And if you've begun to know who he is, then you need to keep on getting to know who he is more. And if you've begun to listen to his voice and pay attention to his voice, you need to keep paying attention to what he's saying. There's a man who was charged for murder, apparently. And you can never tell whether these stories are true or not. I'd like to think this is true. Let's say it is. He was charged for murder in Los Angeles about 60 years ago. Difficult case, lots of different evidence. And the defense lawyer for this uh, man on, who's being charged, thought of a great 
scheme when he was summing up the case. And he said, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, uh, you've got to find my client not guilty of murder if there is the slightest doubt in your minds that uh, he's not the murderer. And I now have one final witness. The true murderer is about to walk through the door. So, of course, all eyes you know, went to the door. Uh, and nobody walked through it. And the lawyer said, you see, ladies and gentlemen, there is doubt in your minds. Otherwise, you wouldn't have looked towards the door. So the jury go off to have their decision-making. And they come back some hours later with the verdict. And the verdict is guilty. And the lawyer, the defense lawyer, was really cross and angry. And before the judge could pass the sentence, he leapt to his feet. He said, but hang on a minute. How could you possibly uh, come to that verdict? I proved that you had a doubt about my client's guilt. How can you find him guilty? And the old wizened man who was the, the foreman of the jury stood up and he said, well, as everybody else looked towards the door, I looked at your client. And he didn't look towards the door. Why? Because he knew that nobody was coming in. Why? Because he knew that he was guilty. Ooh, that's quite good, isn't it? I hope it's not too tenuous a link, but there's something around the identity uh, that Jesus wants us, that God wants to draw our attention to. And here the witness does appear, and actually it's God the Father in this incident appearing himself, really, in the obvious desire to point our attention, to point us towards his son Jesus and to go concentrate on him. Think about who this is. I want to reveal more of who this is to you. And then you need to pay attention. Why did he do that? Because they were asking. In the previous chapter, we haven't got time to look at it, but the crowds were asking, who is this Jesus? And they came up with a variety of answers. Some of them weren't very good and the disciples answered some of those. And then the disciples were asking, so who's this Jesus? And they came up with some answers too. You'll remember Peter especially, good old Peter, uh, in Mark, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, or in Mark's as well, you're the, you're the Messiah. He's already begun to come to a conclusion. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. So this is a question. It's on everybody's lips. And so human answers have been given, and now the divine answer is given. God wants to give the answer himself. And why is that so important? I know it's totally obvious to say it, but the discoveries that we make about who Jesus is, and then the conclusions that we come to about who he is, define our lives. Let me say that again. The discoveries that we here make about who Jesus is and what he's like and the conclusions that we come to about that, they define our lives. A whole bunch of other things might define our lives, but I'd say that nothing define our, defines our life quite like that. That's why on the Alpha course, for, for those who are beginning to investigate the things of faith, there's a, they're quite rightly, there's a lot of attention given to Jesus. There's a lot of attention on who he is. And so anyway, there's this, this extraordinary event that takes place, the transfiguration with the clothes and the light and the cloud and all of this stuff. And Jesus is being revealed a bit more before their eyes for who he is. There's an unveiling going on. Jesus, by the way, isn't even reflecting God's glory here. So in the, in, they would have had experiences in their history of uh, people like Moses on the mountain meeting God and, and coming back and his face is shining because he's reflecting the glory of God. Jesus is not reflecting the glory of God in this moment. That's not why he's dazzling light. It's because he is God. It's his glory emanating from him, which has been veiled to this point. But in this moment, there's just an unveiling. There's a pulling back of the curtain a little bit just so that they could see something of his true nature. 
You might know that line. Do you remember at Christmas we sing from Hark the Herald Angels Sing? There's some funny lines in that, uh, some of those old carols. They're not the easiest, but it came to me as I was just writing this. Do you remember that line? It goes, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate, that means in flesh, deity, God, God in flesh. Pleased as man with man to dwell. In other words, Jesus, uh, Jesus our Emmanuel, Jesus with us. Pleased as man with man to dwell. So Jesus emptying himself of all divine advantages. Jesus, the one who, was, who coexisted with God before the foundation of the world, who's present in creation. Jesus didn't start life at Christmas. I know that we know that. But veils himself in, in flesh, covers himself in flesh, fully human. Pleased as man with man to dwell. It's so important that we get that, isn't it? He laid aside, Philippians talks about this, Philippians 2. Jesus, we have to get this. What, what he did on earth, he didn't do as God. That's too easy for us, isn't it? Say, so, well, he healed people. He, he, he taught in the most amazing way. He did these miracles. He changed water into wine. He, he, he raised people. He did all of that because he's God. No. Philippians is really clear. He emptied himself. He was in nature God, Philippians says. This transfiguration reminds us. He is God. He's in nature God but he set aside those advantages. We need to remember that so much. Why? Because in that way, he models to us what it is to be kingdom people, doesn't he? We say this so often here. Jesus, how did he go about his, his ministry? He listened to the Father, and he was full of the Spirit. I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what my Father says. Jesus, full of the Spirit, the Spirit came on him at his baptism, rested with him. He emptied himself of his divine advantages. Do we have the same access, by the way, to the things that Jesus did? Do we have access to the Father's voice? Yes. Do we have access to the same Holy Spirit? Yes. Are we called into a kingdom lifestyle like the life of Jesus, modeled by Jesus? Yes. Did he say, by the way, you'll do the things that I've been doing and you'll do greater things than these? Yes. How are we doing on that? Not so good, but we don't beat ourselves up, but we aspire to keep going. At least I pray that we do on a hot Sunday evening. I pray that we just, we, we understand that that's what Jesus did. But here, there's something that God wants to say further. He wants to remind those first three and through the recording of scripture, all of us here, Jesus is still fully God. Fully man, fully God. He's giving some visual evidence. He's then giving, and there's the cloud as well. The cloud is evidence of the, the presence of God that immediately they saw a cloud. They're immediately associated with the presence of God right through their, their Jewish history. And then we get some audible evidence. Here comes the voice. Listen to him. Listen to him. This is my son. It's a wow moment for sure. It grabs attention for sure. And then the voice comes. This is my son. Listen to him. Well, what else would you do if you, came to the if you saw what they'd seen and you came to the conclusion that this is God in human form standing before me, what else would you do? Peter messes it up, bless him. Of course he does. I mean, what would you say? I don't know. He has a pretty good go at it. Uh, I'm not going to go into all the references there, but he talks about making shelters. He said in another version, he said, this is a great place to stay. Shall we build some memorials? I guess part of the idea is that I'm, not, I'm freaking out here. I don't know what to do, but this seems like a pretty good thing that's going on, so why don't we sort of make a monument and stay here? I totally get that. But what else would you do if you came face to face with the living God and had a sudden revelation like this of who he is? And we need those breakthrough moments, don't we? We need those encounters. We need those times with God which are 
attention grabbers. I, I wonder if you've ever had one of those. It doesn't always happen to everyone. It certainly happens to us all in, in separate and different ways. Uh, I think when I was eight years old, um, I won't tell you how long ago that was. It feels like a long time ago. I, I remember uh, I was on a summer camp. I remember somebody had given a talk. And I remember for the very first time, there was something about what was being said and the Holy Spirit at work that just overwhelmed me. And, I, and even as an eight-year-old, I spent half the night awake just pondering, this is extraordinary. And it was all about who Jesus was and what he had done. I think maybe they'd spoken about the cross. And I just knew that I knew that I knew that I wanted to be friends for good for the rest of my life uh, and give my life to being with and, 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 and kind of in knowing and, and chasing after this person, Jesus. And, and there'll be subsequent moments to that too. Toronto, remember that? Some of you are old enough to remember there's something extraordinary that God did in Toronto and Canada. In the early 90s, I had the privilege of going out there. And again, a breakthrough moment, a enca decisive encounter with God, which had me kind of on the floor and rolling around for a bit. And that wasn't the bit, though, that really, really mattered. The, the thing which matters is the listen to me. The thing that matters is You've encountered me. You've had a revelation. You, you, you know more of who I am. Now pay attention. Now listen to what I'm saying. And, and why would you not? The ongoing next step. How, how is that going? You can't sustain wow moments. David down here, he often refers to them actually not just as wow moments, which we need and which God in his mercy gives to us, amazing encounters. There are woe moments where it's not all about thrills and spills and it's not all about emotional tingles. It's the thing which goes, I need to think about this. There may even be W-O-E moments, woe moments, moments of, of difficulty and sadness and, 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 and toughness, but we need all of them. We need the ongoing journey. We need the ongoing encounter. We need the ongoing listening, the ongoing attention. What are you paying attention to? Our attention gets grabbed by things easily, but what on an ongoing basis? Where's the needle? when it's at rest, is what I want to say. So here's the voice of the Father saying, listen to him. And there's something ongoing about listening. It's one of the most beautiful gifts that we can give anybody, isn't it? To listen is to give some time. A few weeks back, we were talking about this, weren't we, in our series on healthy habits, I was saying something like dwelling is not the same as just dipping in and out, is it? Um, Gazing at somebody or something, in this case Jesus, is not the same as glancing and then, gl and then getting on with the rest of my life. Lingering in his presence is not the same as just paying lip service once a week and then pushing off and carrying on with life as if he wasn't there. To listen is to give attention. And again, totally obviously, why? Why? Because his words are so full of life. Who is it who's speaking to us? Who is this revelation of? The God who loves us. We just celebrated the fact that he loves us so much that for each of us here, for you sitting here, whether you choose to believe it yet or not, he came and he allowed for his body to be nailed to a tree. He allowed for us effectively to place onto him all the rubbish and the self-centeredness and the bad choices and the consequences of those things and the way that we hurt each other and ourselves and the fallenness of the world, all of that to be dumped on him. So that what? So that we could be free. So that we could be forgiven. So that we could know life. So that we could have hope. So that we could spend an eternity with him. So that we'd know the reason that we're walking the planet and not have to keep inventing it and struggling up ladders to find that they're, that they're leaning against the wrong wall when we get to the top. And it turns out not to be about money, and it turns out not to be about fame, and it turns out not to be about success or achievement or anything. It turns out to be about Jesus. 
who's the author of life and the giver of life, and he's invited us into the journey. That's why we listen to him. And we can't just have a, a wow moment and go, oh, that's interesting. Do you remember our, our good friend Gilbo? Do you remember who I mean by Gilbo? One of the mission partners here, a long-term friend of mine, is in Burundi, an extraordinary speaker and gifted guy. He, uh, he came to the college, uh, Cheltenham College, where I was teaching for a few years, and he spoke in the chapel. I remember him saying, he told the story, I mean, in his compelling way of who Jesus is and what he's done. And he said, he threw out this challenge at the end. He said, this defines your life. Don't come up to me afterwards and say, oh, that's interesting. No, it's not interesting. It can't be just interesting. <laughs> I remember a friend of mine, Kilbo told me later on, that he said a friend of mine, the classics teacher, I won't name names, uh, had immediately walked out of chapel in that rather public, private school kind of a way, had gone up to Simon and said, very interesting talk. <laughs> Done precisely what Simon had said. No, you can't do. Interesting is not an option here. Interesting is not an option. Reject, sure. Dismiss, Never happened, make-believe, fantasy, didn't exist. Jesus died and he's dead and he stayed dead, that's it. I can cope with that position. Although I'd ask you to look at the evidence again, by the way, if that is your position. Nobody's come to the conclusion that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, who's actually studied carefully if Jesus rose from the dead, by the way. Either reject or no, bow the knee, fall on our faces, Worship in all the ways that we do that. Honor, lift Jesus high, give our life to him. Say, no, you, you define my life now. You define my life. You're the one above all other that I'm going to give my attention to. Sure, I have to give my attention to a whole variety of things in this life, but underneath, around, in all of that, it's you that I want to give attention to. And unless we're convinced of that, by the way, how we then listen, how we do this relationship won't have much significance because we won't do it. I say this often, but it's true. Whys always precede hows, apart from the dictionary. Unless we're motivated, unless we understand, unless there's some measure of desire, unless there's something that compels us to go, yeah, I need and I want to listen to this Jesus character. I want to pay more attention to him. I have to pay more attention to, to growing my relationship with this man, with this God. Then we won't get off the starting blocks and any amount of tips or practices or ways that we do that won't really count. But if we're somewhere at least on that scale of desire, then friends, I'm just urging us, pay attention to Jesus. How does that look in your life at the moment? That scale of desire, by the way, goes from pretty unwilling here through to pretty desperate here. I don't know where you are on that scale. It, go, it, goes, it passes through kind of obedience. I'll do it out of duty because I know that's the right thing to do, but I've got no heart for it, to kind of willing. I bring some measure of desire to it, to, to hungry, pretty hungry, and then through to desperate. I don't know where you are on that scale. I'd pray for all of us, myself included, that the Lord would move us up that scale wherever you are at the moment. But whatever measure of desire, whatever measure of yes you're giving to this message, I so need to get back in touch with Jesus. I've been wandering and I need to come back. I so need to pay attention to him. Lord, forgive me. I don't beat myself up. You don't beat me up, but I so need to come back. Because actually, if I get who you are, then other things take their place. And friends, this is such a massive battle. You don't need me to tell you that. To hear this voice above all voices, tell one quick story and then I'll wrap this up. 
In a world of competing voices, and you don't need me to tell you that, there are a billion of them. Whatever that answer to, to that question, what do you pay attention to most easily, that will be one of those voices. Social media might be one of them. I'm not saying social media is bad or anything like that. You know, screens, TV, BBC website, whatever it is. All those voices demanding your attention. We have to be able to detect the voice of God and give it time. There was a story of one of the, I hope this is true, I suspect it's exaggerated. One of the intelligence agencies who can't be named, you know what I mean, was recruiting. (laughs) And uh, they were recruiting for a new position and they invited all the candidates that they shortlisted to this place. And there was a kind of waiting area in the reception area. And they were just sort of waiting around there. And the the noise of the street was was, uh, going past and the receptionist was talking on the the phone and there was a radio on in the background and that kind of thing. And they're just kind of waiting around. And then at a particular moment, one of them goes through a door over there and nothing else really happens. And then the door opens and one of the staff comes out and says, thanks so much for gathering. Really appreciative that you came today, tonight for for this this, uh, recruitment process. But I have to say, uh, thank you very much. But the position has now been filled. uh, So you're now free to go. And it turns out that the man who'd gone through the door had got the, had got the job, and everyone's kind of scratching their head, and they discovered afterwards that across all the, the different noise, the radio, the phone, the noises off, the chit-chat-chat, there was a gentle tap-tap-tapping. And this guy was tuned into it, and I'm guessing it was some kind of code, and the code translated was, uh, if you hear this message and understand it, please make your way through the door on the right. And so he was the only one who was attentive enough to that voice. He made his way through the door on the right to the interview room, got interviewed and got selected. I love that story. Please tell me it could be true. <laughs> but I love it because it speaks to me. It speaks to me of my world. I think it speaks to you about your world, doesn't it? Don't you hear a lot of voices every day? Don't you have a lot of competing things going on? Pay attention to this. Let me grab your attention with this. We live in an age where attention grabbing has gone off the charts. People are extraordinary at attention grabbing because everything's about the next experience which is by definition attention grabbing well occasionally God will arrest our attention in that kind of a way but he's much more interested in what we do with it next he's much more interested for Peter James and John and countless saints through the ages who have read this story what are you going to do now will you choose to have your heart and eyes open to a bigger revelation of who this God is of who Jesus is and to keep pursuing that revelation because we need to know him more. But in, in, in opening ourselves to that, will we put our mark in the ground again? Now, th- this is where I state my claim. This is where I give my priority. I'm going to pay attention. And I'm just wondering tonight whether there may be some, some recalibrating of the needle to be done, if that's the right expression, where some of us just want to say, yeah, I- I'm up for that. Seek first says God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the king and his kingdom. Other things will take their place. Other voices will find their place within that. And we might find that social media occupies this space. The the, the voice over here uh, occupies this space. And, And that's fine. But this is for the glory of God. One day, friends, Philippians 2 ends like this, one day every knee will bow. One day every voice will confess that Jesus is Lord, as Peter did in response to this revelation. They'll they'll have to, every person will have to do that. They'll have no choice. We have some choice, and I'm speaking mainly to those in the room who have bowed the knee, who do confess that Jesus is Lord, and God is just asking and inviting us deeper in our commitment to him tonight, and in paying him the attention that he deserves. Amen. 45 minutes over, why don't we stand?